Delaware Security Show. Don't let fishing get you down. Slow down and frown and turn it around. Security is in your DNA. Don't throw it away. The well aware security show. Don't be scared. Be well aware. You're listening to the Well Aware Security Show. I'm your host with the most toast, George Finney. Um, joining me this week is Brian Mork. Uh, Brian is currently the CISO for Westinghouse. Um, in the past, he's been a CISO for a Fortune 500 multinational company with uh, 30 plus manufacturing operations worldwide. Um, he is also an advocate for hacking is not a crime, hashtag H-I-N-A-C. Um, and uh, uh, very colorfully, he's a co-founder of Team Cryptolingus and uh, they've uh, won uh, hacking competitions uh, for, for years now. So, uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, George. Glad to be here. Um, so, so just a fun anecdote for, for folks uh, listening at home. Uh, I first met Brian uh, a few years ago at B-Sides here in Dallas. Um, and so we were doing a, a cyber escape room together. Um, and I, I just remember the moment because Brian was handing out lockpick sets uh, just in case we needed them uh, to, to <laughs> get a little faster in, in the escape room. And uh, as it turns out, uh, I'm pretty proud of this. Our team was the, the fastest to escape the, the cybersecurity escape room. So I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. I am too. And actually, as a fun side note for that one, the team that took second place were the other members of Cryptolinkus. So <laughs> you, uh, you helped me defeat my own team. I greatly appreciate that. That, that, that is fantastic. So, so yeah. um, you know, Brian, uh, I, I think it was last week, um, you, know, you jumped in on LinkedIn um, to, to say that um, you think we don't have a cybersecurity skills sh shortage. Uh, we actually have a cybersecurity leadership shortage. Uh, so can you say more about that? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's kind of jumped out to me over the course of my career is really that every time I've looked for talent, it may not always be present in the way one would think. You don't see the certifications, you don't see the you know, the degree perhaps or anything, but I've never had trouble finding cybersecurity skills. And, and I'm, I mean that both from a, you know, do I find qualified talent? Yes, but more importantly, do I find qualified potential? And so when I look at the, you know, the hacking community as a whole, and I, and I, of course, say hacking in the sense of a group of enthusiasts who are interested in figuring out new and novel ways of making things work, not in some criminal context, those are called criminals. But when I look at the hacking community as a whole, I've hired people who were, you know, formerly being lighting technicians who came in and took off immediately and were successful in cybersecurity. I've hired people who were, uh, you know, working in a you know, social studies or a, a you know, socioeconomic space, and they've been very successful in cybersecurity. I've, and so if I take a look across all those different people I've met and worked with over the years, they all share that common passion of understanding, you know, what is the thing that actually protects us? What is the thing that keeps our information secure? 
and they're all willing to to jump in and try. But the problem is they generally don't have an opportunity. And that to me is a leadership shortage, not a skill shortage. The, the market has skills out there. The market has people out there. But as leaders, we're not willing often to take that risk and say, you know what, let me try this person out. Let me give them the opportunity and give them that advantage. And so to me, the whole we're short on skills, maybe if you were looking at it from a certification or a degree standpoint, I could agree. But from a does the market have the skills we need to be successful in cybersecurity? I think it's there. You, you know, th- this this actually hits home. And, you know, we, we scheduled this conversation before I found out that uh, I, I needed to hire a position. So uh, one of my folks was, was recruited away and um, she's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a huge loss. Uh, but I, I've been you know, struggling with this uh, for, for the last week or so because, you know, I, 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 I've you know, worked to, to, to revise the job description. And I, I've been actually, frankly, a little surprised because, you know, we, we, we changed the job description to, to, to not require certs. Uh, to not require a degree, right? We're a university. I, I will give you a degree if, you, if you're willing, um, <laughs> right? So it seems like as, as a benefit, like you, you kind of defeat the purpose if, if you require that, that, that you know, degree. Um, and, and, you know, in, you know, in terms of years of experience in cyber, even, um, I'm getting a lot of pushback. And, and so I, I reached out to some other CISOs uh, today to, to just ask them, their experience and and some have had you know uh, positions open for nine months and it's the same story HR is pushing back you, you can't change those requirements and and I, I totally get it it's a it's an uphill battle to to write a good job description and then get it shot down and have to fight even more for for, for that and you know ho- hopefully by the time this episode comes out I'll I'll, I'll be able to post but um, you know can, can you talk about um, that that that's that struggle that 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 you know what, what you mean by by taking a risk um, and and how that act has actually played out. Yeah, and and I think what it really comes down to is one, there's that knowledge and history. So oftentimes with HR, the conversation I get into if they're you know against a particular approach like that or a candidate is they're saying, well, that that's a big risk. What if we hire them? They don't work, and and there are vehicles to handle that. You can contract to hire. You can you know, do the the so-called probationary period where you bring someone on and, and talk through that. But the one thing that always overcomes that, and the reason I spend so much time interacting with and engaging with the hacker communities wherever I may be employed, is because when you're able to say, look, I've worked with them in the community for two plus years now. Two years ago, they were, you know, doing basic IT support work. And, you know, since then, they've knocked out their security plus, they've knocked out, not that the certification matters, but they've knocked out their security plus. So they've really been playing with Azure. They have a home lab and they've got, you know, PFSense or OpenSense. They're doing their own firewall configurations. When you can talk to the experience with the individual and what it's like to work with them on even community-driven projects, that really changes the dynamic for HR. It stops being the unknown of should we take this risk or not. And I find that those are the first opening salvos of, I know how to engage these people. I know who these people are let's take a calculated risk on this. And as that continues, you start to get more and more of the realization that, you know, all those pieces of paper, not to say they don't have any value, but they're not the sole determining value and they shouldn't be a gateway to entry. They shouldn't be that barrier. And so that to me is one of the the biggest things I can do is in my current role is advocate for people who don't have a direct path into cybersecurity, but want to get there. And, And if you take a look at my, you know, hiring history and who I've worked with, I will stand by that 100% that we've brought more people into the organizations I've been involved with 
who had no security experience and brought them in and been very successful in cybersecurity than people we've hired who are already in the field. You, you know, I, I love that. And, you know, I, I mean, I particularly love how focused you are around, you know, developing and, and mentoring junior information security staff. And, you know, and I, I think you're, you're right, as leaders, we really ought to be uh, more active, whether it's, you know, you know, like we talked about B-sides or, you know, our local ISACA groups or, or, or whatever it is, um, you know, being approachable, even like on LinkedIn, uh, to new folks coming into the industry, uh, it, it, it you know can make a huge difference. So, uh, man, I, I, I totally applaud your efforts. Um, but I'll, I'll shift gears for a second. So, you know, we, we've heard for years that we've got negative unemployment in cybersecurity, and and of course, you know, salaries have been you know kind of ballooning. Um, but you know, I, we saw that report from ISC Squared last year that uh, I, I guess seventy percent of workers surveyed in the U.S. and U.K don't want to work in cybersecurity. Um, so I, I'll just extend the question. Do you think the cybersecurity leadership shortage has an impact on that? Yeah, I really think it does. And, and more so than that, you've got sort of a confluence of events. So the first one is that if I talk to anybody in cybersecurity, okay, 99.9%, and I ask them, if you hit the lottery, what would you do? No one is saying, I want to start my own cybersecurity company. Nobody's saying, I want to you know, get a few friends together and do that. Everyone talks about some other hobby or some other thing they, they'd like to do. And if I talk to people in other industries, that, that's not the case. It's, maybe it's only 20% want to stay in their current field, but there is still some staying power. And cybersecurity, I think, really comes down to the fact that if you look at the people who kind of blaze the path, and I'm in that perhaps second generation of those people, the first generation really paid the price. Yeah. They worked long hours. They weren't taken as a serious discipline or a, a, you know, an independent field of study. It was just IT. And then there was that fight and that struggle to get even the CISO positions created. And, and that came about. But all that was paid for by long hours, by trying to find a way to bridge the gap in communication. And, and it, it hasn't really stopped. So it's, it's this whole concept of, I did all this. I had to pay the pain. I had to work long hours and weekends. Instead of doing that to help the community, and to help this organization mature and or this uh, you know, profession mature, it's almost become another barrier or gateway. It's been reinforced as this is what should happen. And so, you know, I very strongly disagree with that. I don't want my people and my staff working more than 40 hours a week. If they do, it better be because we have a significant problem. Because when the time comes, I want them ready and able to respond if we have to have that, you know, God forbid, the, the Friday at 4 p.m. call and a three-letter agency is saying there's a problem. We want to be able and ready to respond to that, not saying, okay, another weekend. And so I, I just, if I look at the whole spectrum of that, I think there's a, a serious disconnect between what we all would want for ourselves and what we've put into place in most of our organizations. And that to me, again, falls squarely on leadership. That's a leadership failure. If you're not willing to say, this is what the staff should be doing, this is what their work-life balance should be, and hold to that regardless of what you personally had to go through, then you're just perpetuating that cycle of, of a continuous problem and you're not going to keep attracting talent to the industry. Who wants to work 80-hour weeks? You don't see people jumping in to be lawyers because, you know, unless the, the salary is commensurate, you don't see people jumping in to be lawyers because they want to work exceptionally long hours. But for us, that's really the entry. You, you know, you, you actually, uh, you know, jogged my, 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 my memory here a little bit. When I was in law school, uh, so for the folks who might be listening that don't realize that I'm a lawyer, um, when I was in law school, oh my gosh, um, 
I mean, that was exactly the conversation. It was, hey, all of the other you know, lawyers that have been lawyers for, for, for years and, and, and years that are going to be hiring you, they expect you to pay your dues. And, you know, and yet we know in, in, the, in the legal field in particular, the washout rate is like 50% after five years. It's not sustainable. And, you know, and I, I think, you know, we in the security industry have to create a sustainable model where we can, we can retain the staff that we already have in addition to, to, to bringing new people into the field. So, I mean, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great connection, uh, great, great insight there. Um, so uh, I, I want to pause in, in our in our discussion for a second uh, to 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 play uh, the the cybersecurity personality test. Um, I I know you took it uh, 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 last week. Um, can can you can you reveal live on air what your uh, cybersecurity uh, personality type is? I'm a cybersecurity scientist and a skeptic. <laughs> very, very nice. So uh, yeah, for 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 the folks uh, following along at home and in 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 your uh, uh, hymnals, uh, the, the, the cybersecurity scientist is, is, it, you know, comes at the intersection of uh, culture uh, and uh, skepticism, right? So it makes sense, you know, as a scientist, uh, you know, as, as that, as, with that as the archetype, right? Scientists use the scientific method. Um, you, 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 you know, you, you really have that built into the culture of science. And I, 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 I love that because it, it fits you so well. It really does. It is a perfect match to my personality. Uh, so, you know, if, if you haven't taken the test yet, uh, you know, it, it's a free test on, on, on my website, wellawaresecurity.com, um, just click the link to, to take the test at the top. Uh, and yeah, would, would love to hear your feedback. I'm, I'm still beta testing it, but I mean, hearing the feedback, you know, from folks like you, uh, Brian, that, uh, that have taken the test that feel like it, it, it really nails your personality makes me feel so much better about it. And I think as we bring new people into the profession, um, you know, helping them Kind of orient themselves by, by knowing what what their persona persona is when it comes to security. I, I think just gives them that much of a head start. And I have to say, I mean, when I came in and, and I first started getting into cybersecurity, there were so many books on why we should be afraid and why we should spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and how the board will only listen if you tell them bad things. And then, honestly, the the books of yours that have come out are such a breath of fresh air in terms of really taking a look from what is driving those conversations, what is driving the way we approach things. And, and honestly, I mean, it's a good part of that is also recognizing where do we have a built-in bias or pitfall? Mm -hmm. So, you know, my natural skepticism can sometimes lead me to skip over an opportunity that, that may be presenting itself because I want to make sure that I've, you know, personally or through a, a vetted or trusted source, examined the, the data and the approach and, and made the right choice. So I just, across the board, you know, shameless plug for anyone who hasn't read George's books, please go out and buy them. They are absolutely worth your time and absolutely worth your money. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, th thank you for the plug. Um, but uh, so, you know, I, I, guess, I guess other than reading my book, <laughs> um, what, what do you think <laughs> is, is, is most likely to move the needle uh, when it comes to, 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 to changing the way those in cybersecurity leadership positions uh, approach these, these leadership issues? So, I, mean, I guess there's the, the carrot and the stick approach on, on everything. For me, the carrot is very much showing them the type of talent and those pools that are open to them if they're willing to change their perspective. So if you're willing to reach out and engage directly with the, your local hacking community, if you're willing to reach out and directly engage with you know, people who are maybe in high school or, or even middle school, 
or people who are coming out of uh, you know high school and are, are looking around in college and trying to figure out what they want to do. If you're wanting to have those types of engaging conversations, you can very selfishly end up with a, a talented staff that's very driven and focused, who are aligned and willing to learn and, and be mentored by you for a very competitive rate. And as we all know, in cybersecurity, that's a difficult thing to accomplish. And I think the stick side of that is if you keep perpetuating that cycle, if you keep going after the idea of a, you know, a long work week, or you have to put in so much personal investment on absolutely everything and, and make this the primary focus of everything you do in your life, well, then I will very happily continue to take your staff away from you and give them an environment that is, uh, you know, a 40 hour work week and, and everything will be balanced. And when they leave me to go get that next big raise, I'll do everything I can to make sure that they leave with a good you know, positive effect and, you know, may hopefully come back someday in the future. So it's, it's really, I think it has to be motivated self-interest of seeing, you know, one, this can really help me. And if I don't do it, it can really hurt me. You know, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I, 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 I love that because, you know, you're, you're, you're making the, the, your, your, your staff better at the same time that you're making your organization better. I mean, I, I can't think of a, a, an easier way to find a win-win. Um, but so, so thinking back to, to, to my last several years, um, you know, I've always tried to take a balanced approach um, and, 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 you know, help foster culture, but there are always things that I wish that I pushed harder for years ago. Um, you know, so, you know, I, in other words, I've got like some regrets that, you know, maybe we're not, uh, you know, getting better fast enough. So, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts. How do you, how do you strike the right balance uh, of the culture of information security, you know, meaning, you know, risk informed versus risk adverse, uh, hard burn versus balanced life, uh, firefighter versus fire safety, uh, et cetera. Yeah. And, and I think the light bulb moment for me came probably seven or eight years ago. I was talking to a, another mentor and friend of mine, Tom Van Winkle, and, and he was saying, you know, Brian, I don't want a firefighter. And it was sort of the, you know, if you're running a service well, if you're running a solution well, why is there ever a need for a firefighter? That should be someone you applaud because they came in as an exception, not as a standard. Mm -hmm. But I think too often what we see in, in business and, and organizations is really that focus on this is, you know, this is John or this is Susan. They get the job done. They, they come in and things are broken. They put it all back together. But you never hear people applauding the engineers who are figuring out how to avoid that situation in the first place or the people who once that's happened, are changing the culture and changing the way we handle it. So it's, it's very much instant responses applauded, but not problem management or problem you know, or change management, which really helps reduce that effect in the first place. And so, you know, I guess if I really kind of go back on what my regrets were early in my career, I did a lot of things where I would go into great technical detail and great technical depth to prove that I really knew what I was talking about and to prove that this was, you know, you can trust me and you should value what I'm saying. And that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. It's good to have that in places where you need it, but it doesn't do anything except for either put up sort of a challenge mentality of, you know, I want to fight about this. I want to you know, have conflict and prove that I know this on the one hand, or on the other hand, it can make people feel like just because I don't know that to that depth, you know, my, my opinion isn't valuable. And, and that should never be the basis of what we're trying to do. If it's about a technical point, it's fine to have that, but technical should be the last resort. Mm -hmm. The very first thing should really be the culture and how are we going to address this? How are we going to make this better going forward? And how are we going to bring everyone together into that same alignment? 
you know, the, the technical was something I, I fell back on as a crutch far too often. And I greatly regret that to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, I love, I'm thinking back to your personality and, and, and the fact that culture is so important to you uh, just kind of reinforces that, that, that personality type for you, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I guess, how do we create more active engagement uh, with the cybersecurity leadership with both professional information security uh, uh, folks, as well as the enthusiast uh, hacker communities, um, in, including recognizing that there's a substantial amount of crossover between them. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm kind of selfishly think that games are the answer to most things. And so, you know, you, you, you talk, you probably about the first time we met and we're playing in an escape room, basically. And, you know, if I go back and take a look at phishing simulations, one of the companies I worked for before, there was, there'd been phishing simulations going on for some time. They brought me in and, and we were going through it, but there wasn't really movement on the numbers. And so the thing that made that movement happen was twofold. The first was we put in a program, made these giant gaudy trophies and started handing them out to the sites that had the best performance over the course of a quarter. So the, CNO, the CIO and I would show up and, you know, throw a pizza party or, or buy lunch for everybody present these giant gaudy simulated fishing champion trophies uh, and just, you know, present this. It was actually uh, Jesse Noriega, someone who worked for me, who designed those. I have to give credit where it's due. And, you know, but that really brought staff into it. There was something in it for them. There was something they could brag about and talk about. And for some locations, that was a very big thing. You, know, you hadn't had an IT leadership visit or maybe even executive visit in several years. But the other part of that, what really drove it was we got the executives talking and had them start betting against each other. You know, I'll buy you a round, you know, a round of golf is paid for by whoever has the worst score. And so we started driving from the top down in addition to the bottoms up approach. And, and that meet in the middle really helps. So from a professional organization, I think games are really the way to go. And I don't differ from that very much when I talk about the hacking community either. So the, you mentioned Cryptolingus earlier on, you know, we've played in a lot of CTFs, but we eventually changed from playing and competing in them to running them. So we started putting on CTFs or scavenger hunts or challenges at various venues and events. We're getting ready to do the same thing for besides Pittsburgh coming up. We're starting up the Pittsburgh Hackers Association here in the next month or so. And we started putting all these things together, but the whole goal is just to play games and have fun together because that really is the basis for community. It's somebody you wanna be around, something that you enjoy being around. And why not start that from a fun point? There's plenty of work to be done. We can, we can talk about that stuff as it arises, and it will. But the, the start of all that to me is always, what is that engagement mechanism? What is that, that game, that event, that something that brings people together as a community? Because from there, you can build amazing things. You know, I, I, I love that. And, you know, my approach is, you know, has always been, you know, I, I love taking things apart, figuring out how they work, you know, you know breaking them sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> You, you can call me Curious George, uh, but oh, oh my gosh, I, I mean, to, to, to make security fun, I, mean, I think security is fun. Um, I, oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think it's, it's the most rewarding thing I could have done with my life. Um, and, and, and so to be able to, to, to take that and, and, and you know, have other people recognize that, you know, that, that it is fun, it's something cool that you can do. Uh, and and not, not just, you know, it's not just fun, but you're gonna actually make a difference while you're doing it, I, I think, Oh, oh my gosh, what other career out there, uh, you know, gives you that kind of opportunity? Um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I'm totally 100% on board with, uh, with, with at, you know, bringing more gamesmanship or, or game, uh, gamification to, uh, to, to, to the security world. So, um, 
Brian, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being my guest this week. I, I love your approach. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think you're one of the few uh, CISOs that I've run into that that really embraces, you know, uh, hacking. And I, I love your advocacy for, for hacking is not a crime. I think, you know, we, we've got to get that message out more. Um, so, so again, thank you so much. Um, I, I'd like to leave my guests with, with, with the, uh, the, the, the last uh, word. So if you have any nuggets of wisdom, uh, uh, you know, you know, let us know. Uh, I've gotten old enough or not old enough to say that I don't have wisdom per se, but I will say just have fun with it. I, I get to spend every single day doing something that's entertaining to me, intellectually stimulating. And that really does help, you know, my company and by extension, the rest of the world, uh, you know, operate in a more safe and secure manner. And, and that is probably the most rewarding thing I can do. So uh, yeah, have fun with it. Man, you know, again, I, I think that that works, you know, for, for any kind of team, right? You know, whether it's, you know, starting with Little League, you know, on up is, you know, making sure you have fun is, is uh, you know, is, I think, key to fulfillment. So, so thank you for that. Um, and, you know, with that, uh, we're, we're going to sign off. I'm, I'm your host, the most curious of Georges. Uh, and <laughs> we'll see you next time. Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button.